Well, happy Sabbath. It's nice to be with you today. It's nice to have a communion service. I love communion service. And we need to pray for those who are at the fair today because thousands of pieces of literature and books are being passed out. And uh, so let their... Let our prayers be towards God and the Holy Spirit to touch those people uh, who read those pieces of literature. Uh, I had the privilege of being there Thursday and uh, with Kent and Deb, and uh, it was just a tremendous experience, as it always is. And uh, Kent wanted me to tell you that, you know, the last time he spoke, we took up, we had a, you know, we asked for a collection, as we always do for Kent, because he's, you know, Bible uh, Cole Porter and as part of his ministry, and he was really touched um, by your gifts towards him. And he asked me to please, please, please tell them how much he was so touched. I'm telling you, he was so touched and tickled, tickled by it, and how much he was needed for his family. So thank you for that. Praise God for His Holy Spirit touching your heart and touching Kent and his families and his children's lives in the way that you do. So thank you. You know, the, um, I don't have to tell you that the communion service is very special to me. And I'm going to repeat part of my testimony. I've given it many times, so I'm not going to go through the whole thing again and again. But, it, it, but part of my testimony today ties in with today's message. And today's message is entitled, Do This in Remembrance of Me. And... Um, as I've stated before, again, I'm not going to go into the whole testimony, but I am going to share part of it. You remember that I've stated in the past, I remember I was uh, a young man living in my dad's house, you know, I had graduated high school, and uh, I was just burning to get out from under my parents and to fly the nest, as most people, young men and young women do, as they slowly mature into manhood and womanhood. And uh, I was 19 years old, and I decided to join the United States Navy. It was the quickest way to get out. <laughs> and I remember I joined on December 4th, and I remember the recruiter says, well, don't you want to wait till after Christmas? I said, no, I want to go in as soon as possible. And that's how soon I was. No offense to my parents, but that's how eager I was to fly to nest and get on my own. And uh, I think there's a picture there of me. That was me, 19 years old. That was a picture taken in boot camp, just to give you an idea uh, how long ago that was. Ain't I a handsome devil? I don't know. Well, maybe just a devil back then. I don't know. But pointy nose, too. Anyways. But it was in boot camp uh, one day that I made a decision, as you all well know, uh, because I've stated this before, that I made a decision to go to church one Sunday in boot camp because I had that option if I wanted to. Nobody had to go. And I'll be honest with you, I went for very self-centered reasons. It was a way to escape the pressures of boot camp. I thought, hey, they're not going to be yelling and screaming at me in, in church, you know. It would be just a place where I could go for some reprieve. So it was for selfish reasons that I went. I wasn't a churchgoer before I went then. I mean, I did as a small boy, but for many years as a young man, I did not go to church whatsoever. And, of course, it was in that church service that the pastor told us about the love of God. And he told us how much he loved us and that he died on the cross for us. And then we had a beautiful service known as the communion service. And I remember as we partook of the bread and how the pastor said, this is the body of Christ that was broken for us. Sorry. I, I hate doing, almost hate doing communion because I always fall apart. So 
And then, uh, you know, we pass the grape juice around, and this is the blood of Christ shed for us. And it really touched my heart deeply. I mean, really deeply. It's like it's, I've never, I, I thought to my, my first thought, what a beautiful uh, ceremonial service and remembrance what Jesus did for us. And I thought how unworthy I was as a, as a, a person who claimed to be a Christian, although it was far from a Christian. And I remember that the tears just broke and I just cried. And I thought to myself, boy, this is really bad. Here I'm in the United States Navy in boot camp surrounded by these tough guys. And here I am just crying like a baby over here. Yeah, but that's how much it touched my heart. And as I've stated before in previous times, I'm not going to I'm not going to go into all of it, but in short, it really touched my heart, but it really pricked my heart to a point was, I mean, after some reflection of this, I wondered, was this really true, you know? I mean, was there really a Jesus Christ who died on the cross and shed his blood for me and you? Um, and I thought I started thinking about all the other different religions of the world. Well, what about the Buddhists and the Sinkas and the and the and the atheists? What about them? You know, uh, I mean, if I was a, a Buddhist, I wouldn't even believe in Jesus Christ. Or if I was an atheist, I wouldn't even believe in God. And I wondered, you know, could this be just man-made? That all these different cultures have just man-made these religions in order just to. Uh, kind of control the masses. But then I thought on the other hand, but what if it is true? What if God really did send his son and die on the cross for us and shed his blood? So I made a decision right there that when I get out of the military that I was going to search to see if there was any truth uh, to the Bible and Christianity. And I made a decision right then that if Christianity wasn't true, I wasn't going to waste my time with religion anymore. But on the other hand, if it was true, it was going to become the most important thing in my life. And I don't have to tell you that uh, it wasn't until I was actually 20, actually I was 26 years old. It took a number of years. Once I got out of the military, it was, I remember it was in 1982. I was 22 years old at this time. And I found myself back in my father's house because <laughs> I had no job. <laughs> and, I, and it took a, a number, it took a while. There was a depression in 1982, if you can remember around here, those that know, remember. There were no jobs. Back then, there were even signs on doors of, of businesses, do not apply, you know, there are no jobs. And so I joined a temp, temporary agency, and it took me a while to get settled and get a job, and finally I did. And me and my brother decided, hey, let's get out. So we both got an apartment together. And to make a long story short, by the grace of God and by his Holy Spirit, I was searching. I was seeking for the truth. And the Lord led me to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I'll tell you what, he answered all my questions. He really did. And it reminds me of a Bible passage that says, Seek and you shall find, right? Knock and it shall be opened to you. And I cannot tell you how many times... I've now been a Seventh-day Adventist for like 33 years now. So it's been a long time. I've actually been a Seventh-day Adventist longer than I've not been a Seventh-day Adventist, and I'm proud to say that. And uh, I'll tell you what, there's no doubt in my mind I'm more convicted today that this is the truth. This is the remnant church of God. We have the truth. This is God's church. 
we have more truth, more light than any other denomination by far. And, uh, and I, I just praise God that he led me to this beautiful church. And there's a scripture in the Bible, it's found in uh, John 12, 32, and Jesus says, you're all familiar with these scriptures. Jesus says, if I be lifted up, it will draw all men unto me. Of course, we know what that meant. It meant that Jesus was on the cross. But the truth of it is, it really hasn't drawn all men to him, has it? But it has drawn all godly men. It has drawn all people that are seeking for the truth. It has drawn them to God. And I praise God for that. Jesus says, Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Amen? Amen. There is no doubt that God loves you and me, that he was willing to go through such a sacrifice for you and for me. And I don't, again, because it's a community service, I want to keep the, the sermon somewhat short. But... There is no doubt that Jesus Christ was a real person. There is no doubt that he died. History proclaims that. Uh, the prophecies in the Bible confirm his existence. And I praise his name for that. Uh, there were historians that never were Christians that recorded the acts of Jesus, like Josephus. And uh, so there's, it's, the history is just loaded with biblical facts. And, uh, and I praise God for that. I'd like to share an illustration with you right now that I really think brings out a little bit of the truth of the love of God towards us. And I'm sure you might have heard this illustration before. Uh, if you have, bear with me, but I think it's worth repeating. I'm going to somewhat paraphrase the story. But there was this man, and he, he was, uh, it was just him. Uh, his wife had passed away, and he had two young sons. And so those two young sons were his whole life. Now, of course, he loved those two sons. They would have been an important part of his life even if his wife had passed away. But he loved these sons, and he, he invested everything in his life for those two sons. And they lived on the ocean front. They lived out there in the, on the west coast, and they lived near the ocean. And the father had a boat, and one of the things that the father liked to do when he wanted to spend some personal time with his sons and he took them out on his boat, and they went out into the ocean. And the boys were really good swimmers, and they loved to swim. And so the father, as he was out in the ocean, he dropped an anchor. And sure enough, his boys, eager to play, plop, plop right into the water. And they were swimming and playing and having a great time. And they were out there for a while. And they were out there a little distance from the boat. And as the father was just watching, he noticed a fin pop up above the water. And then he saw another fin and another fin. And he realized that these were sharks, and he saw that they were, there was a large circle they were making around the boys. They were just circling. But as he, the circle kept getting tighter and tighter, and he knew very shortly that his son's life would be taken. And so what he did is he yelled out to his sons. He said, boys, he says, come back to the boat. Come as fast as you can. Swim as fast as you can. Don't hesitate. Don't ask any questions. You come back to the boat right now. And so as the boys started swimming back to the boat, the father realized that if there, there's no way they're going to get back in time. The sharks would take them before that. So in desperation and love, he cut both his wrists and he jumps into the water. And when, of course, you know what that does to a shark when he smells blood. Well, right away, the sharks left the boys and zeroed on the father. And of course, his life was taken. 
But in the time that that, all that transpired, the boys had time to get back to the boat of safety, and they were safe. And as tragic as that is, can you imagine the thoughts were going through their sons' minds? No doubt their hearts had been broken for what the father had done, his great sacrifice of love that he would give his life for them. But on the other hand, it said something else. It sent another message to them. What a deep love our father had for us. That he would shed his blood and and give his life for us. You can imagine that their love for their father, not that they didn't have it before, but it had to grow even deeper and stronger. Amen? Amen. Well, I don't have to tell you. Jesus did far more. He did the same thing. Of course, he may not be your biological father, but you know what? He's much more than your biological father. Not only is he your heavenly father, he's your creator. Amen? The Bible says that he knows the very numbers of your head are counted. He knows. He knows you so well. And he loved us so much that he was willing to be beaten, spit upon, ridiculed, nailed to the cross naked. And I'll tell you what, a death by sharks would have been a far easier death than the death what Jesus did for us. There is no doubt, brothers and sisters, if you have any doubt of God's love, look to the cross. Actions speak louder than words. Amen. And I just wonder, I wonder, you know, there's a statement in the Bible, and, and you might have heard this statement is, is true, that when you look at the life of Christ and you realize what the Father gave in His Son, and Jesus' willingness to sacrifice His life for you and me, it either does one or two things. It'll either soften your heart and break it, as it did mine, or it will harden. It's either or. And it's also amazing to me that in this world, I find this just amazing that in this world in which we live, we have these holidays in which the federal buildings are closed, the schools closed down. I'm just going to read some of these off. New Year's Day is, you know, everything closes. Martin Luther King Day, George Washington's birthday, Memorial Day, Independence Day, Labor Day, Columbus Day, Veterans Day, Thanksgiving Day, and of course Christmas Day. But it always amazes me that on Good Friday, a day in which our nation chooses to, to say this is the day that Jesus died on the cross. Of course, we know that didn't happen that day. But it's a day in which we recognize that nothing closes. Do you ever notice that? It always blows my mind. The day that Jesus gave his life and shed his blood for us and set us free from sin and gave us eternal life, nothing is closed. Work continues as every day. And it amazes me, I work for a Catholic hospital, and even in a Catholic hospital, you know, a Christian, so-called Christian hospital, even it, there's no special attention to that on that day either. And it amazes me, doesn't it, you? It just amazes me. You know, there's a, um, there's a place in the Bible... It's found in Exodus chapter 33, verses 21 and 23. Exodus chapter 33, 21 and 23, and I'll read it to you. Where Moses actually asked God to show him his glory. And I'll read it to you. It says, this is Moses. I beseech thee, and he's speaking to God, show me thy glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. 
and I will proclaim the name of the Lord. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me that thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass while my glory passes by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face thou shalt not see. And then in Exodus chapter 35, verse 5, and then this is what happened. And the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord merciful, gracious, long-suffering, goodness, and truth. And I find that so beautiful because God's revealing the kind of person that he is. But you know, there's no doubt that when you look on the cross, there was another place where God showed in action his love, his mercy, his graciousness. And that was on the cross. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I also find this interesting as well when you study the communion service and you study God's love for us. You know, there is only a very few places in the Bible where God actually says to remember. Remember to keep the Sabbath. But Jesus also asked us in the communion service, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Do you ever think of that? There's only a couple places where God says that. And Jesus says, in so doing, by doing the communion service, you do show, you do show his death until the Lord comes. That's found in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 26. This sermon ended abruptly because it was followed by a communion service. <laughs>